Hello and welcome to another episode of Author Conversations, presented by Arcadia Publishing and the History Press. And we are joined again by Nancy Elwood, who is the head of Arcadia Kids, to give us a preview of the upcoming children's books for this fall, and to tell us about some of the books that you may have missed that are already published for this year. All right, thanks for coming back on, Nancy. Anytime. All right, so before we get to the books that have just come out, literally just come out, or have yet to come out, tell us about some of the books that have already published this year, like the joke books. So we have had a very, very busy year, despite um, crazy pandemicness and what have you. Uh, so back in April, we published our first five joke books, uh, the LOL joke series, which cracked me up. And they are for Cleveland, Denver, Los Angeles, New York, and Pittsburgh. Those are our five cities. And so far, Cleveland is like the runaway hit. I don't know. Folks in Cleveland need a good laugh. So the <laughs> best part about these is they are family-friendly jokes that are silly and fun but they are coupled with really cool um, fast facts and fun factoids about the places where those books are set and where those jokes take place. So one of my favorites from the New York City book, because I'm a New York City girl, is what is the best neighborhood in which to go to the bathroom in New York City? Flushing. Flushing! I know, it's so obvious. <laughs> but also, along with that joke comes the fascinating tidbit that toilet paper was invented in New York City by a guy named Joseph Gaiety uh, in, I believe, 1871. So these books have that kind of like weird info. Like the guy who, Ferris, um, I forget his whole name, but the man Ferris, who is, for which the Ferris wheel is named, mm -hmm. was born in Pittsburgh, and his birthday is on Valentine's Day. So on February 14th, every year in Pittsburgh, it's not just Valentine's Day. It's also Ferris Wheel Day. Yeah. Didn't he? In, didn't they debut that at the Chicago World's Fair, the Ferris Wheel, for some reason? They did. Okay. You are correct. I believe it was at the, you know, the 1893 Columbia Exposition. See, that's like random facts. See, because that's what I do with my facts to try to like keep it all together is I spider web things so I can call back. <laughs> that's why I call it a spider web so I can keep things together like that. I like that. I like that. I think that's what that's what Arcadia Publishing is good for. All these weird facts about crazy places all connect somehow. So what you're trying to say is if you read our books, you can go win trivia night. Get exactly. Yeah, I know we're talking about kids' books, but there's also some uh, beverages you can get for free if you read our yeah, books. Yeah, absolutely. By going there, absolutely. So something for the kids, something for the parents and uncles and aunts. We're all inclusive. Yeah, we're all inclusive. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's uh, you know, I mean, seriously, that's how you look, read tidbits. I mean, we have books, and I'm like, oh, I didn't know this came from this town, or so and so, you know, did this. Yes. You know, little things like that. So, yeah, those little it's, things you put in. It's true. And honestly, what we found with the joke was, and this is anecdotal, but like um, I've sent a bunch to family and friends around the country and um, a lot of our authors have done the same. So kids all over are reading our joke books. And it turns out that they are as delighted to retell the stupid jokes as they are to retell the crazy facts. You know, like they get to to repeat, like, hey, did you know where toilet paper was invented? Which is a stupid fact, but it's about toilet paper, which kids think is hilarious. Yeah. And um, so it's really great to hear that while kids love the jokes, they also really love the facts. So the books are so they're they're they doing double duty, which is great. <laughs> it's what we were hoping for. And it turns out it's well. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here all week. Yeah. 
if somebody asks why we think that's funny, the question is, why don't you think that's funny? Exactly. Yeah. If you don't know what we're talking about, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> these aren't the books for you. <laughs> that's not true. Read it and become a fun person. That's, what that's I true. Say. That's true. Yeah. I'm with you. So that those are the joke books and those came out in April and uh, we got three more coming at the end of the year in November for Texas and Seattle and San Francisco. So we're excited for those. We're hitting the, the Pacific Northwest over there. And also this year we published, well, we published eight spooky books back in May. Mm-hmm. And what you had mentioned early on in this podcast is that 16 more of those just went on sale yesterday. So our Spooky America series, which retell the, you know, spooky and unexplained and paranormal kind of stories about towns and places around the country is going gangbusters. We are now at uh, 32 titles out in the marketplace, which is amazing. And they're really fun. So back in May, we published... um, Galveston, Door County, Wisconsin, uh, New Orleans, Newport, Rhode Island, Michigan's Haunted Lighthouses. It turns out lighthouses are very haunted places. Um, The Ghostly Tales of the Finger Lakes up in in central New York State, Colorado's Front Range, and Sleepy Hollow in the Hudson Valley. So the Sleepy Hollow is a fun one because it's all about the legend of Sleepy Hollow by Washington Irving, Mm. but how areas where where that story takes place are real places. Yeah. And how some, right. Well, it was, it was North Terrytown actually renamed itself in the nineties to sleepy hollow. So, right. It's a terrific story because the main, the main form of industry, the main local industry in North Terrytown back then was, I think a car um, factory, either a building or uh, it wasn't just a dealership. It was maybe it was a series of dealerships. And they closed. And so the local Mm. economy was going to take a really big hit. And they weren't sure what to do. And some genius came up with the idea that said, well, you know, this is actually where the legend of Sleepy Hollow takes place is North Tarrytown, which is true. And they said, well, why don't we why don't we go tourist? Why don't we go into the tourism industry? So they renamed themselves and they, I think, immediately put into place more Halloween centric and funky Washington Irving type tours and events and that kind of stuff. And they tied it into their local, I don't know, je ne sais quoi. And it's, it's an absolute juggernaut. I'm, I live about an hour South of there and starting in August. So starting now, um, and again, I don't know what's going to happen this year because of COVID, but starting in in mid August, they promote Halloween events. So on the weekends, there's ghost tours and candlelit tours and Washington Irving tours and Ichabod Crane tours. You know, it's it's this amazing thing that um, people from the city and the surrounding Hudson Valley area and, in, and folks in Pennsylvania and New Jersey and Connecticut, like the whole that whole region of the country will flock now to what is called Sleepy Hollow now to go check out all the spookiness and to relive the tale of Sleepy Hollow, which is great. Yeah. Um, so we we retell some of. We don't really we talk about the original story, um, but it's mostly about the area of that area of the Hudson Valley and what inspired Washington Irving's tale. And um, so it's really fun. It's it's that's a neat that's a neat one of our uh, haunted the ghostly tales of um, books in our in our series. Yeah, and I saw a cool that, video actually online. Speaking of the tour 
the tour you were talking about where there was an old church and they actually had somebody dressed up as a headless horseman going around the old church. Nice. Uh, and I was just like, man, that's uh, it made me want to come up and visit that. You know, it's, it was really yeah, neat. And there's a special, I forget what it's called. Um, I'm kicking myself now, but there's a whole pumpkin display where um, they carve hundreds and hundreds of pumpkins. And some are pretty straightforward, but then they go into the crazy artistry, like the really, really unique and really, really intricate, um, spooky looking pumpkins that they put all over. I think it's called the Pumpkin Blaze, something like that. And it's a whole, it's an event. You have to go, you pay, you buy tickets and there's like the corn cob maze and you can go on a hayride and then you see these insane pumpkins. There's jack-o'-lanterns, you know, they're all carved and lit up. It's great. So, and Halloween's right around the corner. And um, that's why we picked this. That's why we also published another slot of 16 titles that went on sale yesterday. But starting now is when people start to gear up for, you know, July's over. People start thinking about school starting and fall is coming. And then comes Halloween. Everybody's, yeah. well, many people's favorite holiday. So we've got really, we've got 16 more titles uh, that are up and out now. We're doing a promotion to get things moving. Friday the 13th is coming up. There's August 13th is a Friday the 13th. Hmm. So that's fun to sort of capitalize and get people in the Halloween freaky mood. Yeah. Those I are know, always lucky days totally for me. Related, but yeah, I, there's nothing scary to me about Friday the 13th except, the, except for the movie. But um, it's fun to sort of, it gets everybody into kind of a horror show, kind of Halloween-y mood. So we're capitalizing on that. We've got, we're, we really spread out um, in this last group of 16 titles that just published. Mm -hmm. We've got Cleveland and the Ohio State Reformatory. Oh. So we've got Ohio covered. And the Ohio State Reformatory, if you don't know, is that beautiful um, gothic brick structure that um, is where Shawshank Redemption was filmed. And there have been other movies filmed there, but it's this big, beautiful old jail. But when it was built, it really was a reformatory. It had stables and a farm and a workshop and a school and it really was meant to reform folks had gone who had gone wayward you know it really over time it became a maximum security prison in a rather traditional lockdown kind of sense but um initially it was meant to just help people and to to get people on a new path in life but it's this beautiful freaky old building and it's open now for tours and it's been on ghost hunters there's a lot a lot of haunted spirits there apparently yeah but um so we've got a book there we got denver we've got salt lake city we hit up texas a bit we've got granbury texas and austin and um what am i missing galveston we did oh san antonio yeah we've got the ghostly tales of the south which cover a whole swath of the southeast oh, along yeah. with virginia's blue ridge highlands and memphis and chattanooga yeah i think uh, the ghost of the south alan brown who's written a lot of yeah different ghost books for us so this is his first foray into the kids' realm, which he was really excited about. And he's got two grandsons who are exactly the right age for the Ghostly Tales books. And they, I believe they were kind of his focus group. So <laughs> it's been kid approved. That one's been pre-approved by some kids, which is great. Those are good stories. So we really spread out. We hit the deeper south. We're in St. Augustine, Florida. Um, and what did I miss? Milwaukee and Flint, Michigan, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Snohomish, Washington. We went back out to the Pacific Northwest there for it's a suburb of Seattle. So that's who did that cool one? Stories. 
that was written. The original adult book was written by Deborah Kyle. And oh, okay, she also, yeah. She adapted it herself. So Deb was terrific. She was really excited, and she's she like, was I on wanna, last year on the podcast. So oh, yeah. was she? Yeah, she's great. She's a total character. Um, and yeah, she did a really fantastic job. So where we could in this batch, what's interesting is where we could, the folks who wrote the original haunted book for adults um, adapted their own work for kids. Uh, sometimes that doesn't work out. Sometimes people just aren't. They don't enjoy writing for kids. It's a different style. It's a different skill set. Yeah. But in this group, a, a whole a whole bunch of people who wrote um, their adult book adapted themselves for kids, which is great. It worked out really, really well. Yeah, that's really, you know, it, I can see where, where it would be different because I've had to learn how to talk to kids recently uh-huh. versus talking to adults. Um, so I can see where that would be hard if you don't already have that gift. Yeah you know, in your back pocket to do that. But that's great that so many authors are able to have that voice um, to be able to do that. But then also that we have a weapon, well, weapons may be a wrong word to use, (laughs) but, you know, have that ability to um, have someone to come in and write that and adapt it for kids too. So that's great that we have that um, to do that. But, you know, and I know we talked about this last year, Nancy, but it's important, I think, to stress again, you know, spooky stories and folklore was one of the ways that I got introduced to history. And begin my love yeah. of history, and it's so cool to see. And even you talk about with the you know, with the joke books, um, stories I heard growing up, though, um, from our adult books, you know, and hopefully, you know, are now in kids' books. And I know they're going to be or in kids' books. So I see, you know, see it in some of the kids' books, you know. And I, I think about like uh, one of the books that came out last year about Alabama. Um, Kelly Kazak and her husband Will Eric. They have books about Alabama retelling stories I heard from my grandfather. Or growing up, um, like the Girl Scout who lost her arm on Camp Cotaquilla Road um, on top of a mountain. So she's an armless, uh, she has a one armed Girl Scout that you shouldn't pick up or answer your door when she comes selling, selling Girl Scout cookies. Um, so, you know, you see these stories you heard growing up, you know, are now in our books, which is crazy. Um, that's how localized we get. Uh, you know, stories you hear from here in South Carolina, here in the Low Country, are now in our books um so it just these stories they make you imagine and they make you not just imagine the characters in the story but when you start to think about it it makes you imagine the time period and then you start to imagine the dress that's being worn in the time period implements they may have been used a ghost story and folklore they make you think about the history is more than just a date you have to memorize for a class uh, history is a story of someone a, a group of people uh, a life story. It's an event that affects a group of people. And sometimes, you know, such as, you know, like the American Revolution or, or the Civil War is something that still affects our lives today. And that's why what you're doing, um, you and Megan and Kate, everything you're doing with these series of kids' books is so great because that's going to pass a passion on to a new generation or generations to come. I hope so. That's our plan. And I agree. Like the, the, the ghostly stories are really a great entree to history. And I have to say the joke books were surprisingly informative too. Like it, yeah. it's really neat to, to learn how certain things started or where they were founded or why they're here or, you know, where potato chips were first manufactured in mass, you know, it's crazy stuff like that. And we we're finding those little hooks for, something that will like light up a little kid's brain and be like, wait, what is that? And they're going to make them want to read about it more. And in this tranche of books that we just talked about, they don't just, they light up 
that history button in your brain yeah. um, because you have to, like I said, to tell one story about, uh, to tell one ghost story, you have to talk about why there's a ghost there. So mm-hmm. someone died, whether it was tragically or not, and when did they die and under what circumstances and what possibly made them or their spirit come back. And you're right, you it, there's a whole backstory and that backstory is this, our sneaky way of sharing history. Yeah. But in the case of like the ghostly tales of Sleepy Hollow, we're also introducing literature. So we don't always get that opportunity, um, but here we are. Like the tales of Washington Irving are fantastic. He's an American author. He's His stuff is classic. And it's stuff that if we can start telling kids, like not only should you read his original work because it's amazing, but if you live in the area, you get to go see why he was inspired to write this and where some of this might've taken place. So it's history and literature. And, you know, it all sort of comes together in this beautiful way that's fun and accessible. And that's all I want. I want to put books into the hands of kids and have them want to pick that book up and put it down and pick it up again, you know? Yeah. And I think we're, we're managing to achieve that in really, really fun ways. And we've got more coming. And I'm sure that, and we'll get to those in just a second, but I'm sure you probably have this in this, in the books, um, in the sleepy hollow area, but, and I'm not sure which book it's based on, but I read one of our books in that area and just the folklore that was carried over from the first Dutch settlers um, when New York was New Amsterdam yeah. still, even coming up the Hudson Valley, um, when they're sailing up the Hudson River, there's this one big mountain. I can't remember the name of it, the, but the way the river flows around the mountain, winds would shoot down, and they believed a troll was on top of the mountain, and they would dip their hat or pay some kind of tribute to the tolls for yes. troll for safe passage. And that's, you know, you learn a bit about you know, a, a group of settlers that you don't really hear about and uh, traditions for a, a group of American citizens you don't really know about. You don't really think about Dutch settlers that much, but you learn about them that way too. Right, absolutely. And what you, you just brought, that book, that story is in, in The Ghostly Tales of Sleepy Excellent. And um, what you, what's interesting is you said you don't really learn about Dutch settlers. Well, I grew up in New York State. I grew up on Long Island. And we, uh, you know, when you have to learn about your your region's local history, mm-hmm. I I did learn about Dutch settlers growing up. So when I read this, it was like, oh, wow. And I don't know that I'd ever heard any of these folklore tales growing up. But I know that New York used to be New Amsterdam, and it was established by the Dutch in the 1600s. But if you're a kid who likes spooky stories, it doesn't matter where you live. Any of the ghostly tales that we've published yeah. are really interesting. And so here you are, a kid who grew up in the South, who through reading a, a spooky story that's about a different place, learned about the Dutch settlers yep. of that place. So, and, you know, I've learned more about civil war history and low country history by picking up stuff from the Charleston area and from Savannah and the books that we're publishing from the Southeast, which is a region I don't know that well because I'm, you know, from up here in New York. So it's really, really, it's a wonderful way to learn the history of little pockets of our nation that you don't normally learn about in school because it's not your immediate region. So it's not, a, you know, it's not like required curriculum. The other thing that's my favorite part of the Ghostly Tales books is across the series, every single book has at least one story about the Native American people who lived, who had, who had lived in that place before the white settlers came because they have their own tales. And mm-hmm. some of those tales carry over into what is our modern history and that, that folklore. And, to really get a sense of the different 
culture and the different histories and the different traditions and the different, I don't know, religious practices and spiritual meaning of the world around them, um, how it was very similar across the country, but also very different in different pockets of places. It's amazing. It's a really, really fun series. So I recommend it not just for the places where you're interested because you live there or you visit there, but any of them, because you get this really fun history lesson that's coupled with these really cool stories. It'll make you want to go is the great thing. Yeah. And it'll make you right. And it'll make you want to pick up a book and learn a little bit, but a little bit more. Absolutely. Okay. And now you've got more coming, more books coming. We do have more coming. So, um, like I said, in November, we've got more joke books and next year we will have more spooky stories, but also by the end of this year, we will have a new series coming. It's called super cities. And each book in that, in that group where five come out in November and five more will come out in February of 22. It's really, um, the sort of overview of what makes the cities in the series great. So the people, the history, the culture, the food, the museums, the nature, the wildlife, the landmarks, the sports teams, the universities, everything that makes this city and its surrounding area special and great uh, is celebrated in each of these books. And they're full color. There's tons of photographs. There's lots of fun artwork. And it's just a really wonderful celebration. So they're great for people who live there. Um, We're really hoping librarians and teachers um, get hooked right away because for kids who are learning about their their region like we were just talking about these are really great books to do that it's great for a place you're going to go visit it's great for a place you're interested in learning about it's they're really really fun so i'm thrilled that we're doing these this is something i'd wanted to do since um uh acb was started back two years ago so our first five are cleve oh sorry those are the joke books where's my first five my first five are seattle houston chicago san francisco and portland oregon and those all come out November 1st. And then next uh, in February of, o- of 22, we've got Memphis, Albuquerque, Kansas City, the Twin Cities. And we're branching out a little bit and doing Yellowstone National Park. So we're going to expand this series into parks mm-hmm. and we'll see how that goes. It's just a real, these are meant for kids um, about seven and up. I think for seven-year-olds, the reading level will be a little high, but there's so many pictures and there's so many like photo captions, like small snippets of text that they'll really be able to get into it. And um, it's a great read together where you can sit down with an older sister, sister or brother, a babysitter, a parent, grandparent, and just learn the fun things about the cities that you love. And then the other thing I'm super excited about for early in 2022 are the Local Babies. So Local Baby is a series of board books, a little chunky fat board books that you buy for babies and eat their simple words, simple phrases, and these really bright illustrations that also celebrate what's so great about a place. So our first five that I've got working on right now are Maine, Austin, Seattle, Texas, and Queens, New York. And we've got illustrators who are doing these really bright, bold illustrations. And each book is is 16 pages and they just it's the food you want to eat the places you want to see the animals you might you might encounter and it's just a very simple really beautiful lovely accessible sort of first book about your favorite place the place you live a place you visit a place that's special to your parents or grandparents that's what we're trying to target and um they're really really beautiful so i'm excited to see how uh 
the rest of the series comes together. We're planning eight for early March. So more on that as they develop. Wow. Sounds like you got a busy next year planned yeah. out. <laughs> We're really busy. Yeah. Which is a really wonderful thing to say. It's been, you know, a crazy couple of years, but, um, God, what a gift, right? Yeah. So we absolutely. went from zero to, I think we're, by the end of 2021, we're going to have 50 something books, not quite 40 something books. And then by the end of 22, we might have doubled that. I'm not sure yet. We'll get there. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's been a lot of fun to watch it grow too, to take it well, from. Well, thank you. you know. Yeah, absolutely. It's it, and Their books are great and they're fun. And uh, I just can't thank you enough for being back on with me again. Well, anytime you want to talk books, I'm happy to. So um, maybe next time we'll have some more jokes and maybe another brand new series that I haven't even thought of yet. That sounds good. Thanks, Nancy. Thanks so much, Johnny. You can find these books online at ArcadiaPublishing.com or visit our podcast page for the link. And you can also find the books wherever local books are sold. As always, thanks to Jane Bill's Unnamed Band Project. You can find them on Facebook and on Instagram. If you have questions for me, you can reach out to me at ArcadiaAuthorConversations at gmail.com. Thanks, and I will talk with you again soon.